Welcome, everybody, to episode number 48 of the Odyssey podcast. In this episode, Connor and I were joined by Jack Thornton for the second time, actually. Connor, he's, he's our, our first repeat guest on the show. That's right, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, that's cool. I I felt it was going to be him. I felt it in my in my bones that it was going to be Jack. I think he's a really good repeat guest, to be honest. I definitely, the the like obvious choice for both was that the, if we were going to have a repeat guest on, it was going to be Jack. Mm. Just a great, yeah. great chat. It's it's so chill, like you know, and it, it's actually, and I, I, I haven't thought of it literally until this right this second, but it's, it's nice to, it's a catch up. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just, and I'd like to see that going forward, especially if we're if we're coming into the new year. That might be cool to revisit a couple of past guests because you said it during our conversation that it's been what did you say two or three years? Nearly it's three, yeah, two and a half. That's wild. You know, it, if you told me it was eight months ago, I would have been like, yeah, hundred percent. 100%. But somebody also reminded me that 2019 is about to be five years ago and I got upset. So, <laughs> yeah, that's the, who knows? You know, it is interesting that, like, how often do you get to just sit down and talk to someone for, mm. you know, we, I think the episode's probably an hour and a half or so long, but, you know, we Something talked for think, probably yeah. 20 minutes beforehand and, and so on. So it's a really, really cool and unique opportunity to get to just actually sit down and talk at length with someone about stuff. Mm. It's one of my favorite parts of it. The only thing is, and you'll find it with, I'd say, with people who aren't used to being on podcasts, it's kind of when you start, and certainly when we started, I felt like, oh shit, like everything I say is going to be audited and gone through with a fine tooth comb and everybody's listening to me right now and everybody really cares and pays it. No, not, not exactly. But it's if I feel like if you get somebody on for long enough, which, you know, is, is an issue with scheduling, of course, in people's lives. But if you were to get into a nice long episode and you kind of hear it, I'd say with some of our episodes, when we're in it and we're flowing and we're grand, you kind of forget that you're on a podcast and you, you're, you just have a conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in this episode, some things that were discussed were, I guess, so Jack is the, I don't think we referenced it in the episode at all, but Jack is currently the open uh, head coach of the, mm. the Irish PF national team. Um, so we talked a little bit about just the national team um, work that's currently being done on the standards and just trying to make them a little bit more equitable in the in, in the coming year. Nice. Um, just the general landscape of Irish power, I think a, a much discussed topic now at this point. And we're set to have a podcast drop, I think, on Friday with, with uh, so. Iron Ian on that. Um, his home gym, which I was really interested. I think it kind of came out of left field, but I really wanted to talk about that. Me too. Because uh, I, I, I think me and Jack a share a love for for i know like brandon campbell for example who's got like this amazing home gym mm. setup so i was really interested to hear jack's uh, jack's plans for the home gym uh, and a couple other uh, little little nuggets here and there so do let us know what you think as always if you uh, if you if you'd like to hear more about any of the things that we have to say you can always head to our website odysseystrength.ie well, how was Euros? I actually haven't talked to you about how Euros was as an event, especially after Worlds, which was pretty class, to be fair. Mm. Yeah, Euros. I was actually kind of dreading this Euros because I think similar to yourself, like the, the Euros last year in Poland was like terrible, like worst comp I've ever been to by a wide margin. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, like just every, everything that was set up. So like I was kind of thinking, oh, it's going to be more of that in the big snowy place. But it was actually class like I, I thought it was really well done pretty in like in pretty much every way because like the venue you've been to Tartu with Dav before haven't you for universities 
yeah. and it's the exact same venue in the exact same hotel uh so you went during the summer so i we went during obviously uh november whatever december yeah december so like it was completely covered with snow do you know like there yeah. was whatever you know two or three feet of snow on either side of you on like every walkway you're going on uh but yeah just just the fact that like a 15 minute walk to the venue that makes such a difference for these kind of things do you know like having to having no other way to get to the venue other than a shuttle is such a pain in the balls yeah. um like unfortunately we only had uh, two lifters so there wasn't um a whole pile uh there's, there wasn't a whole pile of um you know back warm-up room stuff and you know we didn't get to do much media handling but like tattoo is like extremely extremely nice thick Lovely. the comp ran efficiently like weigh-ins were all perfect there was uh the warm-up room was plenty spacious enough uh there was one thing where someone did lose a, a finger um <laughs> the uh, what else yeah uh apart from that that was the, that was the only uh apart from that yeah that that was the only thing i think that uh basically uh someone the one of the collars wasn't working properly uh i think it was a hungarian lifter in the 105s and one of the collars wasn't working he went to re-rack it and uh he like missed the j-hook so one side went down and then that collar fell off and all the weights fell off and then the weight on the other side dragged him to the other side and it just cleanly sliced like it got his finger got caught between the bar between the bar and the uh like eo rack and just clean sliced so luckily his dad was there with a car i, I think his dad was there with a car so like they literally his dad just went to the warp room, grabbed his son, grabbed his finger, and they went out to the A and E, and they just stuck it back on. I think um, uh, I, I read somewhere as well that his dad was like a is like a leading Hungarian orthopedic surgeon as mm, well. That's <laughs> so that probably helped. <laughs> yeah, that's Jesus. That's if it's to happen to anyone, we don't want it to happen to anyone. But if it is yeah. to happen to anyone, it uh, it have he was in great spirits like back that night, you know, like and in in good form, like albeit yeah. he wasn't competing and he had you know the these the fingers all wrapped up you know mm-hmm. uh but yeah jesus the big uh bit of that that's that's a new one for the warm-up room yeah um, it's funny because i i think i was talking to you at the time and i i jokingly said like ah you could have put in a couple of token attempts before going mm-hmm. to get the the reattachment and then i heard i think it was ben pape put up a video of just their reaction and the sound in the background yeah i take that back <laughs> even even yeah. as a joke Fuck. yeah because yeah, was... we were told like oh there's been an injury in the warm room when we heard like a scream and then we saw anatoly open on like 170 and we're like oh it must be him he must just hurt his back or something and like that's what the announcer thought as well but then they kind of informed us afterwards like they didn't tell us what actually happened this is like when we get back to the hotel we found out or like found out roughly what happened yeah but um yeah that's um yeah, we just assumed it was Anatoly, and then it obviously wasn't him. He was just injured separately. Um, the the one downside of this Euros was like with the calendar change of them moving Euros to March next year, and Sheffield being on in what like February or something like that. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely ravaged the like roster of lifters. Do you know what I mean? Like there was it. It was just a very different roster. You know, like it. It really felt like the top ones and twos per a lot of weight classes were kind of missing, and it was very noticeable or the top ones or twos were kind of taking a a bit of a handy day mm-hmm. just in preparation for something like sheffield or next year's uh euros um it was kind of a it was kind of a weird meet in that sense you know it didn't didn't feel like there was big consequences the same way not 
not that Euros has big consequences, but it didn't feel like, you know, the the top of Europe like kind of clashing in other years it would have, you know? Yeah, it feels to me like next Euros is going to be the real kind of victim of that. Like with Sheffield being on in February and then Euros mm. being on in March. It's like, who's going to do Euros and why, you know? Like yeah. again, it's just going to be all of the number twos and threes. Like. Do you know what? It, it Like for years, to be honest, we were probably a little bit spoiled on the Euros side. That we basically got worlds twice every year. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. like Euros was pretty much the same standard, albeit without the Americans. You know they are a huge part of worlds because mm-hmm. you know they nearly win every class. But you know their next competitor was always the top guy uh, at Euros. So like we got that twice a year. Whereas I, I just think we're gonna lose that from now on if they keep the same schedule. Where you know Sheffield in February, uh, Euros in March. Yeah. I don't like. There'll just be a notable step down from Worlds to Euros every year. Like, yeah. that's fine because that's kind of what it's meant to be anyway. True. Uh, True. Rather than True. the same like world champion kind of double dipping or whatever. Mm. Yeah, um, I, actually, now that I think about it, I think that's way better because yeah, we'll have Worlds in that format, and we'll have Sheffield, which is another massive competition, maybe even bigger than Worlds or Euros, uh, in a kind of a different format. And then, like you say, Euros will be that kind of step down that regional format which it was always designed to be so i think that actually makes more sense than just having like two worlds every year yeah essentially yeah um yeah just they had to make space somewhere to make way for sheffield and like it's just like i'm glad that it's euros that took the hit there if anything mm-hmm. um you know i know other countries like the us they they haven't even moved their nationals yet so like they've led to this kind of weird qualification thing for sheffield and worlds where i think it's like it's basically whoever totals more so anyone who goes to sheffield is naturally at a disadvantage because i think their nationals is after so you can kind of just be chipped so you could win sheffield someone could chip you which again the american like depth is big enough that that could happen that they could just chip you and take your place more or less Mm -hmm. so yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see on that side. Um, but yeah, sure. I definitely agree with you that uh, Euros doesn't need to be Worlds like part two. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah what sure. kind of consequence does this have for the Irish team? Because you could say it, it would have no consequence because we have no Irish people going to Sheffield. Or do you want to gear it towards, right, Worlds is, is A standard, is A tier, and then Euros is, is like the step down because it has been kind of Worlds times two, effectively, for, from from a national point of view, because we're not exactly looking to, to contest and, and win. Like, you can correct me if I'm wrong or if you feel differently, but do you, do you want to see more of a stratification of the team in that sense? Because I know we're going to be talking about standards and there was a bit of a, I don't know if it was a miscommunication or just misunderstanding about the role of the previous set of standards. And it seemed like, yeah, if you're hitting this, you're A1, and if not, fuck off, was... was the impression a lot of people got, which is obviously false because it's, it's. I think everyone on the coaching team or the selection team is incredibly accommodating. But do you see that stratification of the national team progressing? And I think that'd be a good thing, if nothing else. I don't mean stratification as, as a negative thing, but do you see it, it going into more of an A group, a B group, and a C or D group, whatever you want to call it, for Westerns and shit like that? Yeah, it's... it's Like, I... That would make sense to me if we had any control over that. Do you know what I mean? Like, because mm. short of like, see, see, the biggest problem is like when you invite someone, um, even if they're like the best in their class, and you say, "Hey, do you want to go to Worlds?" 
they'll just come around and tell like some of them will just come around and tell you no i'd rather go to euros or no i'd rather go to a different comp and then you're kind of stuck um mm. you're kind of you're kind of stuck because do you just force them into comp that they don't want to do and then they don't do the comp as it is you know what i mean mm. um like because if you're going to come kind of last or like whatever bottom 10 whether you go to euros or worlds it doesn't really matter which one you go to from like the lifters perspective so they'll just go to whichever one suits their schedule or like is in a location that they might prefer you know yeah um like certainly with the standards last year um it just kind of limited you know the ability to pick like a f- as full a team as we could and i think we will be or we, ha- we are currently like revising those standards a bit uh to not make them like super accommodating or anything like within reason like just just to be able to send basically a team of you know i think what we can send like 16 people to be able to you know put out the best 16 lifters we can mm. um and you know actually send a team and have representation at worlds and euros um on a regular basis without uh while also striking the balance of like that it's a spot earned rather than just okay we're just sending any 16 mm. you know uh next person up gets the spot kind of thing you know who, very who, tough who, balance who to might not have earned sure. it, it ex- yeah extremely and like you know i think in one way um see we have to kind of go in between now because i think the last set of standards we'd sent only like four people and two people and that necessarily wasn't just the standards fault because I think it was something like in the region of 12 people were invited and only in the case of Worlds, four people accepted. In the case of Euros, two people accepted and actually went. Um, so we could talk about that, why that might be, like why that's happening. Like mm. I, I have some thoughts myself, you might as well. Um, but yeah, the the main thing with the stand, next set of standards we make is to not pull so far back that everyone gets invited and it's too easy to qualify because mm. then it kind of takes away the value from the lifter that like it's something to shoot for and like it's a big achievement to hit if if like you know if the top six in your weight class have all hit the standard you know it's it kind of makes it yeah. pointless you know yeah absolutely yeah yeah what are your thoughts on that on the, what you mentioned on people not accepting why do you think that is um it's so there's a there's a few things there it's uh ireland super small country and uh, fortunately or, or or unfortunately whichever way you want to slice it uh, a lot of our top lifters are uh, juniors and masters who want to prioritize junior masters comps and i think it was like of the ones we're able to select based on like just standards or like whatever criteria was set up it was something like uh, like 33 percent or like 40 percent in that region uh were either juniors or masters that wanted to do juniors and masters comps instead do you know what i mean and like that yeah. totally makes sense for them because they're more competitive in those weight classes rather than getting thrown into a B flight or a C flight at Worlds, they can go to juniors, uh, junior Euros, master, uh, junior Worlds or Euros, Masters, Worlds or Euros and be in like the A flight with chance of meddling in, in individual lifts or placing overall. Do you know, like it's, you know, it's just, yeah. un- it's just unfortunate that we don't have um, a huge amount of depth. Like if those juniors stick around for long enough, they'll be in the open and hopefully that'll kind of get corrected yep. um but i would have said the same thing a few years ago when there was other juniors you know in mm. those places it's just it's just an unusual kind of uh time plus as i said i think this euros was kind of the aberrant uh, where a lot of people skipped it because they knew there was another euros in croatia in 12 weeks and i think on paper 
um people in ireland just think oh croatia would be so much nicer to go to in march than estonia in november or december <laughs> even though Estonia's unbelievable i couldn't get over how nice it was it's probably it's the nicest bad. outside of malta which was like literally a tourist destination mm-hmm. i think for like a winter tourist destination like tartu was so nice i couldn't get over it yeah. um also like people are telling me that they're going to do summer holidays in croatia like it's going to be like eight degrees like look up the weather there like <laughs> it's it's similar to here in march it's cold as hell like it's it's yeah, not gonna yeah. be warm but um yeah. it's at least it's a cool spot i think there'll be probably a bit of sightseeing you could probably do over there so yeah for sure i think other countries like maybe maybe as well it's uh in ireland we kind of have it's i know it's obviously an amateur sport but like it's in the purest sense an amateur sport in ireland because like mm-hmm. you know there's maybe a couple of people who are full-time coaches that are on the national team everyone else has like normal nine-to-fives they have to take holidays off for do you know if they want to take time off they're going to pick a location that they can stick a holiday at the end of and make the most of that time do you know mm. yeah. especially if it's to come like whatever 24th in the class do you know where they like, like they could really do any meet you know yeah um what i'd love to see is for um for in the future if we could do like i don't know if there's more the fed kind of offer those lifters and i don't even mean monetarily i mean just like you know whether it's like doing doing like a podcast series similar to like how ian does one for the ab series like you know like video series or like in-person interviews or like you know bits like that for like social medias that like kind of puts a bit of a fuss uh around the lifter Mm. um that makes it more than just yeah you're getting a singlet to go out and get hockey you know like you're you know you like just get the people at home kind of more invested in the lifters that are being sent over you know Uh, i think that'd be an interesting start um obviously if there's like financial aid that could be done that'd be great but you know that might be expecting uh a lot out of a you know a volunteer organization do you know what i mean yeah yeah no, I had I kind of assumed that yeah, it was just a case of like we have a relatively small pool of athletes, and they're like in terms of like you know the average kind of experience level per competitor, it's probably like massive when compared to other countries. Do you know, like mm-hmm. our average lifter, our average international level lifter probably has more international meets under their belt than than you know most other countries. And so I would assume it. I would have assumed it's just a case, kind of a fatigue thing. Like you know, the shine is kind of mm-hmm. gone. And so yeah, for sure, I could see something like that placing uh, placing a little bit more importance on them again, even when facing into the the likelihood of you know not necessarily meddling or anything like that. Just mm-hmm. going over to to kind of to do your best. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it, as you said, like it's it, it probably does all come in like kind of cycles. So like. Hmm. yeah there probably is a bit of uh a bit of fatigue and a bit of burnout on it so you know hopefully that comes around next year i think i think what wouldn't help is continuing like with super high standards where we can only send you know two or three people because mm-hmm. i think it takes away any momentum like i think if we were able to get you know um the top whatever 10 lifters you know across both men and women if they all went that's like a big sizable team and it would feel like a big thing again you know yeah hmm. um so i think that's all we'll really need to get things kind of going in the right direction um and people kind of just thinking just, I'd, I'd, it, it is that it's just like you 
if someone turns down their spot, like ideally you want to get it to the point where they're kind of regretting turning down their spot. Do you know, like the, just to kind of delve into that kind of FOMO for uh, competing, you know, that they'll at mm-hmm. least go just in case it's a good laugh, you know, which usually yeah. it is like international comps. They're like, they're like nothing else. Mm. Yeah. Less so I'd say if there's, that this is not to disparage anyone with the Euros, but if there's a team of two going on, disparage versus versus <laughs> disparage uh, them, Connor. Do it. That that'd be very uh, unlike me, Jack. Come on now. Um, even even the likes of Iceland, like I'll always champion Western Euros just because they're the only international comps they've been to. But um, two fucking great competitions just because there was a gang of people who went a good gang, you know, a lot of familiar faces and it, it may not have the heights or the prestige as Euros or Worlds or whatever, but it's still a fucking good time. You still get to, to represent your country, you know, and it's, I feel like the standard is going up with that as well. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I could throw a little bit of a, a wrench in the works and ask, what does a new federation do for growing the, the, the regional circuit i suppose in ireland like if you're if you're talking about yeah we want to maybe broaden the selection pool a little bit with slightly more more relaxed is probably now an unfair way to describe it but slightly more relaxed standards so that it's not just keen madden who's going to maybe the top three and look you might be a hell of a lot closer to the third guy as opposed to keen madden you know and that makes it that little bit more attainable and a little bit more realistic but if there's another federation coming in that is potentially splitting the talent pool the fairly limited talent pool as is does that not have a solely negative impact or does it make, create a more competitive atmosphere where everyone has more opportunities and what has more kind of avenues for competition to grow and improve and it they'll just get there do you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah like i think the because uh, that was always the concern when it when anyone saw the usapl stuff popping up there's like oh it's gonna split the talent pool you know divide up all the lifters and all that stuff but i don't know like i'm not sure um what you've seen but like anecdotally i don't see any of the ones who any of the people who are like eligible to go to worlds or who are on that track to go to worlds none of them have been kind of swayed towards usapl Mm -hmm. yet like or of the open lifters i'm referring to more so than anything um you know I i haven't seen this massive shift yet obviously we'll see in when's their comp is it february i think february yeah february yeah so we'll see we'll see then and we'll see again when up in the galway and black box but um like they're actually the the main one will be how different nationals 2024 will look um i think it's kind of overstated that because because i think it's kind of overstated that oh like all these lifters will leave uh like most lifters say um who haven't competed before, who start off in the USAPL, they can come over to IPF without any form of ban because they've never been a member, so they can't, you know, get banned retroactively for for being in the USAPL. So, like, any beginners and stuff that start there, that's completely fine. They can come over, if they want to come over to the IPF side to do that route, they can do that literally whenever. Mm. Um, the top-level talent then, uh, as I said, I haven't seen many of them express that much interest in going over yet. Um, like, I think we'll be... Like, I think the I- Irish PF will be completely fine um, as far as that concern concerned. Because, I don't know, there's... Um, I don't know, there's, there's something always, like... 
just different to representing Ireland at an IPF Worlds that people hold in such esteem still, do you know? Like mm. even even if there's no marketing towards it or anything, people will still ha- still have that as their goal to kind of go over. Uh, we won't, yeah, I suppose we won't really know until we see Nationals 2024 probably and it's at the end of the bloody year, like, because mm. uh, yeah. then we'll be able to see every head that's stayed and every head that's moved, you know? Yeah. Mm. I'm kind of um, blindly optimistic about it, to be honest, because... I think it's going to be a case that the national and international level talent will probably stay put for the most part, bar maybe one or two. Um, And what we'll see is a, you know, kind of a rising tide that allows for the demand to be met and the demand has not been met, you know, out of no, like, Mm -hmm. not that it, not that it could have, you know, but now, now it can, there's just more options. It's going to be four more competitions. So that's, whatever 400 plus more um individual competition entries that can happen next year which could just mean further growth of powerlifting in ireland which is really all that matters and actually that could even be the kind of um the you know igniter then for further success because if there is like you say if you if you've never been a member of the ipf then you're not pursuant to um article 14 or any of that so you can just hop right over you know and if you're you start off in the USAPL and you do a couple of meets and then you're like, hey, you know, I'm hitting these standards. I'll do an IPF meet. Bang, there you go. Do you know, so I, I, I really think it's going to be a net positive. And as well, I, we've said this so many times, but I'm going to say it again now. If you're not national level standard, this does not matter or apply to you at all. So there's no need to like pick sides or just be weird about it at all. Just like do whatever suits and whatever is closest to you probably, right? Or looks cool like mm. just do that and it doesn't matter which yeah one. that that's what i've been telling people just do whatever whatever one looks cooler to you or like whatever suits your schedule uh because yeah. as you said like pe- like if the you know the likes of rust or whatever like that everyone kind of rec- knows what he's doing so if he he can't do a sneaky meet do you know what i mean he can't do like uh you know do a usapl then hop over and do a different comp everyone would be over that like you know for com- even like not even for IG reasons, for like even competitive reasons, you know, whatever 83 kilo coaching teams, one of them would rat him out and say, no, nah, he shouldn't be there. And then everyone goes up one space, you know, like that's, mm. that would be the, the only worry I'd ever have about like people who are like nationally competitive or internationally competitive doing them, you know, here, uh, it'd be more so like for that competitive side that you could get basically ratted out, uh, only a few weeks out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as you said, I think more opportunities to compete, um, offering kind of different looks in powerlifting would probably be a good thing. Um, even even the going in the opposite direction of like that the IRSPF kind of not had a monopoly, but kind of did have a monopoly for a long time. So I think just having someone else do it, run a meet how they see fit, um, would only give you ideas. Do you know what I mean? Like give you ideas or totally. raise the standard or. Or kind of force you in your head. It's like, geez, we can't can't really be slacking here. I need to kind of pull out the finger. Like, you know, I think that's only beneficial things for the lifter. Um, yep. Like, obviously, I think it would be a shit crack if everyone left and we had no team for Worlds. Like, that would, that would kind of suck. Um, but I, I can't see that happening, really. Mm. No. Like, not when... Like, you've seen it in even in uh, America. Like, the disparity between powerlifting... Uh, America, which is the I- which is the IPF affiliate, and the USAPL is wild. Do you know, like the USAPL has all these funds; they can make these crazy looking comps with like 
mad screens and they have a uh, huge lifter base. Yet all the best lifters are still coming over to Powerlifts in America anyway. Yeah. Do you know, like, and they don't have the budget, they don't have as many meets, you know, like it's, but they're still, um, once once nationals is over, all those lifters are kind of looking at each other and thinking like, well, we have nothing to do now. So I guess we'll all go yeah. IPF then. Um, <laughs> you know, that's, are, I was just going to say, here's a random critique. Because as you were talking about the USAPL, and we, we, when you say that, you mean the actual USAPL, not USAPL IRE or whatever. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. There was like a Christmas-themed meet there recently, and it looked insane. Like the production value was huge, right? Yeah. But there was two platforms, maybe a third. And like that's just such a big critique I have, and I hope the IRE irish version of the usapl stay away from it you completely undo all of that like cool stuff when you add another platform as soon as you add another platform like me as someone who's like a genuine fan of the sport i can't want like i don't watch events that have multiple platforms because it's just so shit to watch like they're and, yeah. and worse to be part of even online just watching or and then having a split commentary where it's like they'll be showing one lifter and they'll be talking yeah. about a di- different lifter uh, off yeah. screen yeah yeah like that that stuff does my nut in. And like, I understand why they do it. Like, it's purely financial. Do you know, it's just get all the people in. Like, yeah. double the amount of entrance, you know, like, all that stuff. Make a, a really profitable weekend. But like, I think, same as yourself, I just think it look it's so stupid. Yeah. It completely undoes the, the good that the production value does. You know, it's like, mm. I would rather watch like a pretty basic you know, IPF affiliate meet here that has like basic commentary and the the small things. Do you know what I mean? As long as it's one platform. Yeah. Like even that Christmas one, I kind of thought it looked goofy. Um, yeah, it like, did, yeah. <laughs> it, it just like, it was really cool. Like as in, I've never seen anything like it, but that's probably for a reason we haven't seen anything like it. I think, I think the, the best example of like how the USAPL or the, 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 Example I always think of that I love the look of is like their Virginia Pro meets. Um, yep. The obviously their nationals and the Arnold on like the main stage, they're always so cool. Massive screen, big massive graphic, Gino on fire for some reason. Yeah. Um, you know all that stuff. Like it, it, it's crazy looking. Like it's so opposite to um, IPF, like the kind of more like professional sterile ipf style do you know i love that that exists do you know what i mean like i love that yeah. there is a a darts version of powerlifting as well do you know yeah you know i can't believe actually that the ipf is still using banners like especially at worlds this year when they really did like <laughs> at at what was it open power lifting championships or something yeah, <laughs> yeah. incredible it's mad that they're staying firm on on the banner you know especially like because they did it was in like a crazy expensive you know, place and there was a big point of push put on the the spectator this time around. You know, it would be interesting to see if the IPF will will move towards a big screen instead. It doesn't doesn't yeah. weightlifting do that? They have screens as opposed to so it's not even you couldn't even argue that it's an IOC and thing. like way better graphics too. Like weightlifting is way better. Like mm. we're still using like what is it? Uh, good lift, yeah, good lifts kind of. You know format that's impossible to read even if like we were sat at worlds and like around like seasoned coaches who've been at it for years who were reading the board wrong because the board is Damn. fucking impossible to read like yeah we need the uh f1 layout 
yeah. you know, like, uh, <laughs> plus plus or minus uh, kilos from the leader. Yeah, like, that's the only way to do it. It'd be daft to do it any other way, for sure. Uh, but they just that hasn't been. I don't think it's been implemented yet, but it will. But that <laughs> kind of stuff, everyone. Yep. No, I, I was just even going to say. And I, and I say it to him like every meet because I know we're, we're blessed to have him. The likes of the stuff that kind of Mark Stell does about live stream and commentary and setting up all the gear. I think the quality of that kind of stuff has, has come on leaps and bounds, maybe without people noticing or people start to take it for granted now. Like in terms of spectatorship, the quality that it is has improved alone is, is madness. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's only, I suppose, a matter of time before somebody implements the kind of thing that you're talking about, like the, the score sheet improving, which would... Jesus, improved things hugely. I don't know why I haven't really thought about it and I give out about good lifts every time I'm at a I'm at a meet and I have no idea what's going on, especially being on the mic and like struggling to fucking to see on the phone who's coming up or what's going and or to have something to say or the commentators I feel for. I haven't done that job yet as a volunteer, but having a bit of know or having a bit of info about what's going on for anyone who sits back home. I, I haven't looked at the uh, do either you know offhand what the the viewership of the live streams is like for for Irish PF regional competitions? Would you would you know? Not really no. Uh, but pretty good, to, I think. To have a bit of info, but okay, well, if this guy gets it, he moves into this place, and it's a record, and it's mm. X Y Z. Just it it's it gives you a bit of insight into what's actually going on because you, you can see that somebody's lifting a certain amount of weight. It doesn't take somebody to, to read it out to you, but the context and the interpretation, I feel like, could go a long way. And I suppose that's also kind of links to what you're saying about interviewing athletes beforehand. And I know Ian is a big proponent of this, and we spoke about it on Ian's podcast recently, bringing the lifter's story to the audience and kind of creating that buy-in is great for the lifter and it's great for the audience, great for the competition as a whole. So it's, I think it is worth noting that the quality has improved an awful lot, but it's kind of nice that... Other competitions and other federations, as you say, give you a little bit of an idea. Like, oh, maybe we could do this or we could do this a little bit better. Yeah. And uh, sorry, go ahead. I'm just going to say that I have maybe appeared very negative about the whole thing, but I'm increasingly optimistic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, reassured. Ian's podcast comes out, uh, what, Friday. So that's going to be an so. interesting one for people to listen to. But anyway, mm. uh you know the UFC do. I I love how powerlifting often gets like kind of related to UFC and how kind of completely inappropriate it is most of the time. Totally, yeah. But the UFC do a really really good job of like you know just kind of adding context and stories to like contests that would otherwise go completely unnoticed. And like mm-hmm. even if you've got two like almost unranked fighters, it can be a great fight. And it's only improved if you know a little bit going into it. You know, it's been built up a little bit. Um, so I think there's room for that. Like, you know, uh, we're at opens and like sometimes opens can can be can feel like there's like a lot on the line. You know, if there's like a tight battle going on, it doesn't matter if these are people who aren't even necessarily hitting the national standard. It's still mm. fun and engaging to be involved in. So it would only be more fun and engaging as a, as an audience member to actually know what's going on in the back room. Right. Because totally. that's that's where like the fun happens. Do you know what I mean? You know, people in the audience are spectating are generally only watching one person and don't really know anything else about what's going on. So, like, imagine if that person then is given given this kind of um, guideline to be like, no, this is why this is happening. And this because like I've had like family members question me before on like, why would you put this weight on the bar? Why, like they were easily 
you know, capable of this weight. It's like, oh, because this is like, this was the only way to put on the bar. This would have given them the win or whatever, you know? Mm. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, like a lot of that does fall on, you know, having a good commentator because say someone like, you know, Ian, who you're on the podcast with, like he's unbelievable at that with the series. Yeah. Like just constantly uh, flowing and constantly speaking just um, and like such a natural at it and like great reactions as well. And like, you know, it, it does kind of take people who have like, as you said, just the score sheet in front of them and it can read it and like tell the whoever, you know, uh, the, the, the um, not uneducated, but yeah, basically that like my parents, your parents, whoever's parents, do you know what I mean? Those kind of people to like explain to them what's happening or like even give them the rundown of like, why this third deadlift matters and like mm. what this person what might be the strategy that like so if someone's put in a 400 kilo deadlift for no like you know, as a placeholder that that's not a real deadlift you know that they're yeah. gonna <laughs> drop that down to what they need to yeah. uh unless you're your man indiraj uh at euros then it is a real Probably, deadlift. Yeah. no it's fine but like yeah i think right now the easiest because like you know the way i was saying like with the with that like f1 like you'd need i'd imagine you'd need someone to program that properly like that's not just a case of going hey mark you got a decal for that um <laughs> you know like it's it's not within scope to do that because like you'd have to be getting a program to do like very simple math but math all the same and then to you know to move you know uh which i'm sure someone's very capable of doing um it's in the works but, actually oh sick yeah, oh, yeah. Cool. I, I i actually think like that's one of the things in ireland i remember realizing early like we're so like just with mark doing crowdcast we're so far ahead like with the live streams like compared mm. to usapl or anything like that like we were way ahead with yeah. way lower standard of lifting <laughs> it's like it was class like cause i remember like one of the first comps back after uh after covid i did like the that one in abs were like people weren't allowed to come to unless you're competing or like handling yeah. Yeah. um that had an unbelievable live stream and then you just see this like potato camera for usapl of like ashton doing like 360 or something like that and then wasn't like Mark, crystal clear 270 yeah uh, wasn't mark was, walking around with the like dr octavius yeah camera <laughs> yeah. rig on like. oh it's class yeah exactly no it's unbelievable like uh like uh, he he's taken it to like such a high standard you know and like has only really improved on it since you know every mm. comp, like comp to comp like seeing like different angles kick in uh like and just his actual skill of you know shooting the live stream do you know i just think it looks so good you know it's mm -hmm. crazy i've often talked like highly of irish powerlifting having its kind of own unique kind of take on powerlifting i think that kind of speaks to that a little bit like even the the atmosphere at like the quietest most tame open meet is in ireland is better than the atmosphere at like you know for for example recently was it the most recent British competition that happened was that like was that nationals? I I, I didn't even pay attention to be honest. I, it was I, I saw something like selections, uh, British it, selections yeah. or something like it, that. It was basically it? our qualifiers, you know. Yeah. That, uh, so yeah. like, I saw uh, Erlov deadlift. Was it two sixty to yeah. a completely silent room? Like there was like a couple of woos and you know her friends cheering her on or whatever. But like, I was saying to the lads at the time, like, imagine if a, there was a female two sixty pull. At an Irish competition. Was that the way the audio was set up? Like, was it just that you could only hear that? Or was there actually no... No, I feel like you I heard, heard a couple something. of different audio uh, sources from a few different lifts that happened oh, at that right, meet. Right, right. 
and like mm. uh what's his name uh abdul put up mm. put up you know pull, pull something crazy i don't think he got it in the end but like again i heard a couple of different audio sources there too and it was very it was again it was like some you know a random open irish meat mm. you know like a middle of the pack deadlift reaction versus insane thing that just happened reaction <laughs> like yeah that so. that that is it is actually kind of funny like that you do say that because i i often do think that you know like with with uh regional comps like you know your like my perception of strong is purely like especially in a competition is purely based on like relative terms or like who else is in the flight because mm-hmm. like i so um because i'm a really stupid lifter i would never regard myself as like strong in any capacity but then I see someone squatting something I wouldn't take for an opener, but they're finishing the flight with it. It's like, geez, that's really cool. Do you know what I mean like yeah. that's that's really strong? You know, yeah. um, it's it's completely relative. You know, like um, so like I think the crowd kind of gets that as well because like you know even if there is someone who mightn't be a national level competitor, but they come out for like a huge deadlift at the end of the day, everyone kind of puts it into perspective of what just came before it's like jeez this is a big deal do you know and they go mm. like off their feet and go mental do you know, i couldn't even imagine what people would think if they saw someone like uh mo trying to pull whatever 380 something 387 <laughs> and Erlov, because like Erlov's one was like i think that was that's the heaviest pull of any female in um in uh british powerlifting uh and like not too long ago it was pretty close to the like world record of all deadlifts, uh, female deadlifts, um, until it was like smashed at um, smashed at Worlds this year by the what was her name? Camera, camera. I, I think she was an Aussie lifter who pulled like six hundred pounds or something like that. But um, you know, like that's she's only like twelve or thirteen kilos away from the heaviest deadlift of any female. Yeah. You know, that's bonkers. Like, yeah, yeah, and it got like couple of claps and a couple of woos <laughs> it was yeah yeah it's it a good job <laughs> we'll switch gears a little bit so you set up a, a home gym recently yeah. yeah well it was a long time setting up yeah yeah true I <laughs> what's been actually, the yeah. what's been the story there um so so uh i've always wanted so like during covid i obviously bought an absurd amount of kit um mm-hmm. purely because i always knew i wanted a kit and i was like then sarah was like oh yeah we'll build we'll home gym so halves fucking let's go uh <laughs> spill in half nice one um so we built up a load of kit uh and then we moved house we bought a house and then that obviously had no space for the kit so i just stuck it all in the attic and then we we're like to build one of these like steel tech sheds whatever just your normal like flat pack basically sheds that get delivered out to you uh and then i was telling uh, my friend jack kenny about um about the in the foundation that i had to you know get someone to do because i'm not handy at all and he's like oh yeah that's handy we'll do that we'll do that in no time you know like we'll do that like you know in a day it's it's great crack like it's a bit of work but you know it's great crack yeah. you know and then uh i was like cool <laughs> i'll do that let's do that so um so i got the schematics then from um from uh from the crowd anyway and it was significantly more complex like there was basically like he was saying it's like two or three times more concrete than he thought it was going to be so it ended up like small job being a massive job and then it was just a case of like it just took a long time because like 
if I hired someone to do it, do you know, they come out when they're ready to do it. Whereas how like we kind of every pour we had to do, we had to fit it around like schedule, like our schedule. And like, I think it was like this, what last year, June and July was like the wettest June and July, you know, we've yeah. had in 20 years or some shit like that. Yeah. So you can't pour concrete in the piss and rain. And we could only do it at the weekends. We're all free at the weekends. So, but we finally got it done. Uh, and then the crowd take something like eight or 12 weeks to deliver the bloody thing. Got that in, got it floored, got an electrician in. There's just a lot of waiting around. But because I have all the kit, as soon as I had a floored and the electrician in, I could just throw all the kit up and it's up there now. And oh my God, it's unbelievable since. Yeah, I absolutely love, I absolutely love training at home. It's, really? Uh, yeah, and it's it's definitely not something I tell people to do. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not yeah. for everyone. And I can totally understand mm. why. Yeah. But that's surprising because obviously you've trained in, in City Gym bar COVID for, for how long now? For for a very long time, right? The, the overwhelming majority of your lifting career has been in City Gym in that mm. atmosphere. What is, it, what is it about training at home that you enjoy so much versus that? Uh, well, I live... Like, I live a half an hour away from City Gym now. Like, 20 minutes, a half an hour. With, yep. You know, with Christmas traffic, it is a half an hour. But it's, like, if there's no traffic, 15. But, like, just getting back that hour every day is, like, mm. you know, I, I really value free time now. Do you know, like, uh, <laughs> and then uh, this is through no one's fault but my own. If I walk into gym, there's loads of people that are there that I like and I talk to. I talk to them all. And yeah. then my sessions take forever. I find it nearly impossible just to... Just to like pop on the headphones and completely shut people no. out and do my stuff. Because like, not only like, do you know, do I not want to, but I feel like an ignorant bollocks. And like, do you know the way like people, because like if someone else did it, I'd be like, yeah, that's totally fair. Do you know what I mean? Like you're trying to get through your session. But yeah. I just feel like an ignorant bollocks doing that. Do you know what I mean? As well. And like, yeah. if someone does that, absolutely do that. You should do that. Like you're not an ignorant bollocks. But that's how I feel. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. About myself doing it. Um, and then when I'm like, uh, like doing shit or, or if I'm like you know if it was a particularly heavy set I'm like not fuck doing another one I'll like waste more time by just talk to people whereas so like at home you know it's just myself like there's you know no there's, no one to like. Talk, there's no one to talk to yeah exactly just removing distractions from myself um, and then like there's obviously at home like I have it set up pretty much exactly how I want it to be so there's no deterrent from doing things you know like in, there's no like Oh, someone's using the dumbbells or the dumbbells I want. Do you know, I might do something else instead, or I might just skip those and do those the next day. They never do it the next day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's none of that crack anymore. Do you know, like there's there's no need for it. So I can just like it's rare I can't get through a session in like an hour and an hour and a half now. Like, whereas yeah. how like you know, in any gym, not just city gym, it would ju- it would just take me two hours, three hours minimum. You know, and then mm. I have to drive home, and do you know, I'd be getting home later, so I'd be eating later, and then I'd be getting to bed later do you know like all, all that kind of stuff um plus i definitely have uh, a bit of advice because like i think the most i've ever added to my total was during that little break during lockdown where i had nothing do you know like where i had no distractions and i could just train mm. um so i was like very keen to get back to that um mm-hmm. and i'm very fussy as well like not fussy but like yeah i am kind of fussy about um certain equipment you know like i like having you know, for deadlifts, I like having super sharp bars. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or I like having, um, you know, if I'm benching, I like having, you know, super grippy carpet, like all those kind of things. And like, you know, you can't, in any gym, you can't depend on always getting the grippy bar or the, you know, grippy carpet or any of those like 
small things like you know most of the time when I go to the gym you just kind of have to accept what's there you know especially on like a Monday or something yeah um whereas at home you don't really need to worry about that yeah mm. the time thing is absolutely massive to be fair like just quick mats if you're losing an hour a day four days a week for a year that's eight days mm. oh yeah absolutely and you know like yeah and I take it to especially now that I train home I have uh, taken it to more extreme that I actually train six days a week now Nice. um purely because i i really i fucking love training uh and um i love to be able to have those you know upper body sessions that could take 40 minutes you know like literally do those at lunch or whatever because i work from home most uh some days um having the flexibility to be able to do that uh to me is super valuable and like even like being like because you know the way that thing of like i can't remember what it was it was like is there like a when they were talking about like university classes that like people have only a certain like length of attention span, isn't it like something like in the region? It's much shorter than you'd expect it to be. It's like 20 minutes 20 or 30 something. minutes. Yeah, of, yeah. Like usable attention span. And then after that, they're kind of goosed after that. Like mm. I definitely feel like that in training. Like as in if you give me like an SPD day, it's more so I just kind of like run out of attention, uh, kind of like lose constant, not lose concentration, but I'm kind of like, my head's a little bit out of it after maybe the first hour or hour and a half, you know, like yeah, any right. work after that is kind of, you know, it's kind of secondary. Whereas yeah. how, when I get to train more frequently, I get more cracks at that kind of window of like, this is switched on that I'm fully present for that kind of work. Um, well, that's my thoughts about why I'm doing uh, six days this time. Um, <laughs> so I'm hoping that kind of pans into something uh, you, like, you know, usable, even like for me, like even if it's a placebo for me, uh, that's perfectly fine. It's not something I'll apply coaching wise because um, if someone taught me all this, I think they're a moron. Do you know what I mean? I'd be like, <laughs> I just think like you're you're totally like overthinking this to the greatest degree, but it makes me much more comfortable when I'm training. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think you're being harsh on yourself. I think that's pretty. Everything you said is totally reasonable. It's like you have this at home now. It's it's close. And you can go out and bang out a 40, 40 to 60 minute session. And like, I imagine the work you're doing is probably not massively increased. It's probably just that you're being way more time efficient and not spending yeah. four hours in the gym talking about random shit and ordering burritos and stuff. Mm. No, that's you know? that's exactly it. It's like there's no like volume to stay the same. You know, we just yeah. like spread it more, you yeah. know, mm. more yeah. evenly, uh, like maybe there's slightly more accessories, but like, you know, a lot of them are maybe like single joint or that, or like if they're compound accessories that I wouldn't be going mad in them anyway. Like, you know, I'm not going to do a lot of like sloppy rows or anything like that. Yeah. Um, it's just like, it's, it's just, yeah, the higher frequency of training, uh, ra- sorry, not even higher frequency, same frequency per lift, but just mm. more training days, you know? Mm. Um, are yeah, you finding it, yourself or yeah. sorry to cut you off in in your programming or in in your i suppose your consultation with your program with your coach are you finding yourself you'll have to make a few extra kind of considerations or are you looking to split it between city gym and home to get just even the social aspect of the extra equipment that's in city gym like is that a factor or how have you gone about adjusting i suppose the workload to your equipment uh yeah definitely um there's both there so when I, when john when john was john song is my coach uh so when he was asking me about it he was like is there anything you want 
uh, is there days you want to be set in City Gym and days you want to be set at home? And I said, no, just make it kind of as vanilla as possible. And I list mm. them out all the equipment I had because I can kind of do, um, I, I can kind of do pretty much anything from home, like within reason, like say like certain substitutes, like, you know, I can't do like leg press um, or bell squats, but, you know, I could do something like Hatfield squat or like, you know, loads of different kind of single leg variations or anything like that. You know, all that stuff is fine. Um, like there's always, uh, subs- there's always substitutes, uh, even if they're not perfect, perfect, you know. Um, but yeah, I wanted it to be that I could do, I could theoretically do everything from home so that my flexibility to go into city gym was just when I felt like I wanted it or needed it. Do you know what I mean? Cause definitely mm. that'll be a day where it's like, cause like, that's the one thing with the home gym is, um, like if you're in a good mood going out there, like you're going to be a good mood for the whole session. It's great. But if you're kind of in a bad mood or like, you know, from work, if you're pissed off or whatever, um there's nothing to pull you out of that headspace really do you know like other than just training going well whereas how like oftentimes when i feel like crap and i go into city gym do you know you can go and like stand around the reception for 10 or 15 minutes chat with the lads you just feel better after that you know just of just chatting shit for 15 20 minutes uh and getting out of your kind of i don't know like work head or whatever you know Mm -hmm. um I think that is extremely beneficial. So I think it's kind of, it is absolutely, I'm absolutely spoiled having both, you know, because yeah. realistically, you know, people would only have one or the other, you know, uh, and there's benefits and downsides to both, but I don't have to deal with either. Um, <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> so you've got, what have you got? You've got, so the the rogue power rack, you got some nice bars, you got your your deadlift setup. You've got like ex- like dedicated accessory stuff, cables and all that kind of shit yet. Um, no, well, kind of. I have that. Uh, like I have a pulley system. Um, nice. which is which is fine. Um, which like I don't I don't do a crazy amount of uh, kind of I suppose specific bodybuilding work. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. you know, like bot like bodybuilding work for this like. Like, I don't do, like, leg extensions or anything. Even though we have one in City Gym, I just can't be arsed. Like, I don't do them. Um, so, I have a dip attachment. I have, obviously, my rack has a pull-up bar. I have that leg roller thing that I can use for uh, back extensions uh, by just placing it in different spots in the rack. Like, with the... Like, I, I bought, like, a, a very modular kind of rogue rack. So you can do a lot of accessories just with like a bit of imagination of mm. using the equipment correctly. Um, because that was like the big thing. Cause people were saying, Oh, you're going to get a combo rack. But like, I didn't see the point in get me getting a combo rack because major benefits of a combo rack is the comp feel, which is, you know, very good. Like I do like that. Uh, but also like the adjustable rack heights to, so people can work in, but I train yeah. on my own, so I don't need to work in with anyone. So I don't need to be able to adjust the rack heights. Yep. Um, plus combo racks are fairly light usually so if you dump a bar or whatever they're, that shit's going to flip um, yep. but yeah this I'm not left wanting like I have dumbbell handles um, that I can load to pretty much any weight I want I have an easy curl bar so as far as like upper body accessories I feel completely covered in that sense like everyone's everyone's like demands or everyone's um, you know needs for different equipment like will be different like my perfect home gym isn't going to be the same as either years you know so that's Um, that's the next question you said you said um you're not left wanting and i don't believe you for a second 
because my next question is <laughs> what's what's the dream what does the dream home gym setup like look like just bigger to be honest just i suppose just bigger and then just so i'd have space to put in equipment that like i wouldn't use in every block but it's fine yeah. do you know what i mean like because the the equipment i have now has to be kind of stuff i use every block to kind of justify it whereas how if i could just stick like do you want know, a hack squat in the corner that'd be cool do you know what i mean because mm. like oftentimes i'll watch like renaissance periodization and i think geez hack squats are pretty cool yeah. or same with like pendulum squats or any of those kind of things you know like you know the ideal gym would be like um like mike israel uploaded he's insane like army barracks Whatever you gym want. like yeah yeah it has literally everything there is it, like if you, if you want to do that like and, and completely take away any thought like you're like at that point you're going into just want rather than need do you know what i mean yeah, you're going into like just gym ownership. That, yeah, that's yeah, a gym exactly. owner. Yeah, yeah, that is a gym owner. Like that isn't a commercial gym when he's put out his back garden. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And obviously, like anyone who wants to see it, just look it up. Like Mike Isertel gym, um, on YouTube. But uh, yeah, as far as like, I'm sure when, if we ever get a bigger house or move to out the countryside further and have a bigger garden, I'll build a bigger I was gym ask again. That, yeah, is I mean? this gonna scale over time? Like it's it's a nice project, I suppose. If you look after the stuff. It lasts mm. as long as you want. Like so, your your investment. Like if you wanted to sell shit on, like you definitely could. It's something I've considered because I, I I call myself kind of in a similar position to you, Jack. Whereas I'm right next to chaos. It's literally ten minutes up the road, mm. and I can see myself building out here. And that obviously brings potential to have a fucking sick home gym. And I was looking at the steel tech crowd that I think you were talking about as well, and. <sighs> I'd, I'd really struggle with, with want versus need there and saying, right, how big does it need to be versus how big do I actually want it? And it's like, what equipment would, do you need to have versus what equipment? Jesus, that'd be very nice to have. You know, never mind it being incredibly expensive. So I'm curious, have you, is that the way you're thinking with it? Are you, is this, well, I do powerlifting, so this is what I'm going to get. Or are, yeah. you, are you accommodating for, I might change my mind down the line or I might add, you know, a sick spin bike or one of these, what are the treadmills that, you know what I mean? The weird treadmills, any shit like that. Like, are, are you accommodating for that? Or are you, are you looking down the line or how do you see it progressing? Uh, yeah, like, yeah, definitely. Cause like we obviously moved into the house, had a, you know, a re- for an estate, it was like a relatively big garden. So we could kind of go with a lot of different sizes, but you know, it had to be really, we had to be realistic with it as well. Like, totally. you know, we could take up the whole fucking garden if you want to. Do you know what I mean? Like, we mm. could just make this giant, uh, basically another house at the back that's just a gym, do you know? But yeah. we decided not to do that. Uh, we went with like a five by three, five meter by three meter uh, shed, which, do you know, isn't the biggest room either, uh, especially compared to like just standard American garage gyms. Uh, like three door, like sorry, three car garages or two car garages would be much bigger, you know? Um, but... Uh, yeah, like you had to be like we had to be realistic that like we didn't want to engulf our garden and engulf you know all the natural light and everything of that by building this mega shit out the back. Um, but there is a certain element of fun in that I think when you do have a limited space of making the absolute most out of that totally. minimal space, you know. Um, and then like the smaller space, uh, one underrated thing is how easy it is to regulate everything in it, like the. Like humidity and the uh, heat, mm. like in Ireland, like that's unbelievable. 
Like, I, <laughs> like, especially in like the summer when you get these, especially like in Limerick, we just get these fucking muggy, muggy summer days. Uh, and then in the winter, it's absolute like, you know, naturally now, like it's absolutely freezing. So like we got, um, we got like the insulated walls uh, and it's like the base is insulated as well. Like the concrete, we threw in sheets of insulation. So like it heats up in a half an hour. And like, I think that's a underrated, ta- that's an underrated totally, thing yeah. as well. Because, like, naturally, most 99% of uh, powerlifting-specific gyms, do you know, have no heating, do you know, or have no, do you know, weather, like, control over, the control over like, the, the internal climate of the gym, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's just big warehouse, you know? Even um, um, beyond, like, just training enjoyment, I think for from a training quality point of view, that'll mm-hmm. have a fucking massive effect. I think, yeah, that's what I think, too. Like, even like the last few days because like, it's not cold now by any means right now yeah. in ireland you know like this is like, we had a few cold weeks back there a while ago but now it's pretty grand yeah. but i remember there was certain days like where it would take ages just to like i don't mean warm up like do 70 do 120 i mean literally to warm up to get your internal body like temperature high enough that like your joints feel okay to move yeah. uh you know like on under load you know it just takes forever and then having to wear have to having to bundle up in layers and stuff like that um i think that's really underrated and then i'm hoping in the summer it'll be the same thing with the dehumidifier that like i'll be able to like curb that a little bit um mm. with the dehumidifier obviously i won't have an ac or anything so it'll still be hot as balls but <laughs> um but you know you can't win them all you can't win them all <laughs> seems like you're doing pretty well with the constraints that you have i was even going to say from a from a programming point of view having constraints like that or having the need to be creative is kind of cool and you might stumble across some things that are more enjoyable or maybe more effective than you may have considered you know like you're saying that you you may not have access to a bunch of lower body accessory equipment but you might be forced to do a lot of unilateral stuff that you might find you know and you might enjoy it if if you're if you're that way inclined or you might find it particularly beneficial like the novelty there is is surely not it's not nothing anyway no no i i a thousand percent agree especially um yeah like especially during that covid time i think we all kind of messed around with a lot of you know experimenting with different protocols for like either training or like as a whole with people who had no equipment or people who just had a bar and a rack mm. and then experimenting with accessories, whether that's like, you know, getting people to do push-ups or weighted push-ups and all that kind of stuff, you know? Mm. Um, or like the rack pull-ups, you know, like the, or, or even just getting people good at like chin-ups and stuff, you know? Um, I think that's all stuff that I'll probably do a lot more of because like, you know, in City Gym, it's much easier to set up for a lap pull-down and just do that where so at home i don't have a lap pull down so i'll just be doing chin-ups instead um mm. and i don't think like that's not gonna be a negative I, I, that's just kind of a, a lateral step in my head do you know what i mean it's like um like I, I can what's important to me is i can squat bench and deadlift like perfectly at, at yeah. home uh and in like pretty pretty perfect conditions so like that's that's once that's kind of covered, that's like 80, 80%, 90% to me. All the other stuff, whether I can do dips, whether I can do dumbbell press, whether I can do um, whatever, insert any exercise here, like that's all completely tangential. And then like stuff like 
rows like you know ca- whether it's a cable or a lap pull on i couldn't care less you know like that's just like i'd be completely happy with like a, a dumbbell row um you know i just and just do that dumbbell rows and chin-ups and like that would completely be sufficient for me i don't give a shit about a lat spread or whatever you know mm. um is safety yeah. a concern with with heavy squats or you're when you're coming into competition this is something i that's something i'd be curious about but with the heavier competition stuff like you said you have city gym there you have a bunch of lads who can encourage you and, and spot you do you envisage doing much heavy stuff in the shed uh yeah in a relative sense i will you know um like i don't know when i'll pull the trigger to come in i'll probably i was thinking because i'm also signed up for march you're both are you both oh hell yeah. yeah yeah all three of us are very good. um yeah i'm signed up for that so obviously i'll be in to city gym loads more than this but at the minimum i'll say is like maybe in my last four weeks or my last uh five weeks uh, leading into comp i'll do my primary days in city gym mm. and that's as much for safety as just getting used to kind of that equipment you know like as in because like like say my rack it's a it's a half rack that's you know weighted down by like fucking 400 kilos or whatever so it's not going to move anywhere uh and the reason i wanted that was because you know just have that counterweight that i could dump it on the safeties if i needed to um and the thing wouldn't flip do you know what i mean like i could miss the safety theoretically but like i'm just not going to um (laughs) and then um for bench i think that's something that's impossible to replicate without a without a competition bench the exact feeling of unracking from a bench um and unracking from a combo rack like actually setting your back kind of not pulling like it's kind of a similar feeling to like pulling the slack out of you and the bar before you unrack a squat to get that full tightness in your back mm. without like just pinching your scapulas do you know what I mean like scapula getter just of um of getting that perfect unrack I think you'd need practice at that a few times because that's something I could imagine would kind of throw me on the day or would just feel really weird in the day if I just transferred straight over to that mm. um like I have those uh ghost rollers from my rogue rack so like that will kind of mimic um a combo rack a little bit like it's super nice you know to be able to move them from side to side it kind of feels like a bit like an eor rack just a sturdier one um then deadlift deadlift is kind of whatever like it's in you can deadlift just drop it if it's too heavy um and maybe i'm not sure i'm not sure how much i especially for conventional lifter i'm not sure how much like bar whip uh, matters that much uh whether i need to do it on calibrated plates or whatever plates i have i don't know if that'll make any difference yeah, really. i wouldn't i wouldn't have even considered it like yeah yeah that's the thing like with a sumo lifter i'd be kind of humming and hand if they were using cast iron plates you know just because they seem to get a lot out of kind of you know commercial gym plates or whatever that kind of stuff mm. but um yeah, I have a pair of 50 kilo calibrated plates which are super you know thin just Des- so deceptively heavy should... plates <laughs> yeah yeah awkward <laughs> awkward yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah very awkward but i think they're cool as shit um so that's my my priority for getting the decision will into comp outside of like socially will definitely be for squat and uh the squat and bench because you're in contact with more of the rack do you know what i mean mm. um, here's here's one for you so we had you on nearly three years ago now um you're actually our first repeat guest um that's pretty no, cool but no no, yeah. no alex because didn't he do the preview and the 
posts? No. Did he not? Was, oh, I thought he did. We only had him the once. We only had him the once, yeah. We saw Jay's. Take that. Uh, Jay's naked no, ass and various no other bitch. parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, so we had you. It was March 2021. We had you on our last episode, just the one before this. This one was uh, Things We've Changed Our Mind On. So, naturally, that was a, an extensive one for Connor. Um, <laughs> I actually listened to that, but I can't remember. What were your points? What, like, what were the... The cliff notes again. I guess the like massive things we change our mind on is like I'm generally far less um, pushy about the way that I think about training, and I think that Ooh, there's a lot fair, more, yeah. a lot more, you know, uh, nuance and a lot more reason for for different kind of protocols that maybe I would have thought were stupid and dumb before. Um, what Connor doesn't think you're uh, you're a terrible person if you use a CPAP machine. Yeah. Um, no. But you know. <laughs> You should have a think about yourself, though. You know, especially yeah, if you're a child. Really look in the mirror, would you? <laughs> yeah, especially if you're a child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Um. <laughs> Hypertrophy, there was a bit of a movement of the needle there, a little bit. Um, true. True, true, true. So I'm not asking crazy, you to really. recall. No, I'm not asking you to recall exactly what you said three years ago on the podcast, but is there anything, any like major things? in the last three or four years that you as a coach or even just as a powerlifter, as an athlete, as a spectator, whatever official, is there anything you've like massively changed your mind? Um, like, I'm not sure if change your mind is as much as like evidence just directly proves you're wrong. Yeah. But like, I definitely lent at start more into, um, all oh, like technique being the cause of like injuries a lot of time. Like, wholeheartedly believe that at one point uh and like you know it's way more nuanced than that obviously do you know but like that's where i'd be like yeah you're probably probably like not that you're probably wrong you were wrong about that you know um the more like the more like non kind of i don't know um um yeah it's hard it's hard it's hard to think like definitely similar to yourself like just kind of being more is it maybe a cop-out just to kind of be more kind of neutral be more kind of centered in like your beliefs rather than being so strongly into them you know like that's kind of Mm. it's a bit of a cop-out maybe i don't think so like it's it's i think if if you were the kind of person who held like a super super sharp opinion and you like flipped to the other side totally it's probably a little bit unrealistic like and we obviously know you're a very reasonable person it's it's like it would maybe slowly change and shift and you're like oh i see where you're coming from with that and as you said as the evidence kind of shifts you're like okay i was definitely wrong on that side it's not going to be a dramatic change and it's it's kind of only when certainly i find when somebody points it out or in our case when if we listen back to an episode we'd be like jesus christ yeah, that was misguided. Do you know what I mean? So I, I, it's it's definitely tough, tough to think of because I think it changes yeah. so clo- so slowly that you're like, I've always felt this way. What are you talking about? Yeah, I think with the podcast, you definitely had the luxury and the misery of having people point those out. Do you know what I mean? Like, because mm. as you said, I definitely have things I've 100% changed my mind on. But like, all I can think of are things that like were just basically common practices before that I know aren't do you know what i mean like they're not best yeah. practices now you know totally yeah yeah um but like that's not specific to me changing my mind that's just 
you know, just going, yeah, that's the evidence kind of points you in that direction. I guess we'll go in that direction. Uh, like there definitely is some like stupid opinions I had before. Like, but I was never, but I was never one that was like, that really held on to like strong beliefs. Do you know what I mean? Like I used to joke, um, I used to joke, uh, <laughs> with a coach that I used to work with, uh, Steve Cusack. I used to always say like, he believes like everything he believes in. He like, there's no, sorry, no, there's nothing I believe in as much as he believes in everything. You know, like this, I don't hold any opinion as strong as every one of his opinions that he has. You know, like, um, and some people are just inclined that way. Do you know, like that they are just, you know, staunch. This is the best thing ever. You know, this sounds is like how, a guy I know. This, yeah, this is how the world so. works. And then, you know, it's like, but some people do find that as like reassuring because, like, I guess from a lifter's point of view, if your coach is so like strong and like devout and like, yeah, this is just how it works. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, even if you don't understand it, you're going to kind of believe them because you paid them probably. And then it's like, it probably will work, you know, even if it's just, even if it is placebo, you know. The certainty um, sells, absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely, certainty sells. And like, that's definitely a, a thing. I, it, it isn't the best thing a lifter wants to hear when you kind of go like, ah, well, it could be loads of things. You yeah. know, like, in, maybe it is this, you know, because like, I've, I've given... I've given some new lifters recently, like uh, some accessories, you know, and they're like telling me all these things, how like, oh, it feels all this different way uh, in my legs or whatever. Um, is, like, is it meant to feel like that? And it's like, probably, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's it's just because uh, it was like a back extension, kind of like 45 degree back extension. It's like, I just want you to hip inch. That's all, <laughs> really. Yep. Um, if you feel that in a special way in your hamstring, that's great. I'm I'm really happy for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you feel it a special way in your hamstring, as yeah, well, like, yeah. like favorite descriptions of exercise yeah. execution. Yeah. Cool yeah. is kind of the default response, right? It's like, oh, cool, right yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, <laughs> but like, yeah, or or that's wild. Um. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy, bro. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's it's it's. I I just kind of was gonna lament that it's. It is difficult because I, I think if, and I know I was kind of made a joke there and, and I know Adam made a similar joke that it is if you do have these very staunch opinions, it's probably a bit of a red flag, to be honest. And I actually don't think I hold very strong opinions at all, which you might not believe, but it's, it's, it's difficult when you're trying to be open and honest about the obvious uncertainty in different things and bits and pieces and, and training practices and especially to a new lifter they might be that might be jarring they'd be like, what the fuck like i thought i'm paying you because you're supposed to know what's going on but you're just trying to be honest and then somebody else might come in and say nah bro here's what you got to do it seems like the uh, the definition of a race to the bottom is that something you've experienced much because i i don't I, you would you don't strike me as somebody who bullshit a client about like fault certainty you know it seems like you'd be very open and honest have you encountered I don't even know what to what to kind of call it, but this kind of cognitive dissonance where people are like, no, no, this this way, this this thing that somebody is telling me is absolutely the right way is the way I'm gonna go. If you encounter that, I, I'd imagine you just be like, well, man, if that's what you want to do, go right ahead. Oh yeah, well, like we we all have, you know, like or if we've all like experienced that with lifters where they've been told something and then they believe that devoutly, whether it's something from a physio or something from a doctor. Do you know what I mean? Like totally. Yeah. That's the, probably the most common one and like the most like damaging one. Mm. Uh, 
and near impossible because at the same time like um you know it's it's not impossible but it's hard to tell <laughs> to tell lifter that the the doctor doesn't really know what they're talking about in this case you know um yeah like i always kind of get worried when i do hear uh coaches kind of talking speaking like that where they're like it's not even yeah as you said it's it's that wild confidence that's kind of not built on a whole lot other than it kind of makes sense you know like it kind of makes sense to them Mm. um like my whole my whole thing there before about like you know um like attention span and you know lifting uh, frequently and that kind of stuff like i would never tell someone that's how it works do you know what i mean like that's a <laughs> that's a crazy thing like that's something i think in my head so that's why i'm applying it to my own training but i'd never suggest a lifter does that you know what i mean because i have no basis for that you know if someone mm-hmm. came back to me and said oh they experienced the same thing after you know after training six days a week or whatever then like you know completely fair but like even even looking at that as the example you know like you could see okay right you've a certain amount of time that you you're like cognitively switched on for your sessions and like then you get more cracks out throughout the week but the flip side of that is you've less days off away from training so you can probably like like mentally burn out as well just as easily if not quicker Mm. doing that because you don't have like two days where you can just go for a walk you know or like not even go for a walk but like you know two days completely away from the gym you know um so that's the flip side of it like something as simple as that can like can have the other side of the coin where it just kind of fought like the the argument falls apart for like whatever percent of the population you know Hmm. absolutely i think it's like coaching coaching maturity as well right that you can feel these ideas in kind of in their own kind of bubble in isolation almost and not have them like you know if if you had said that to me uh, i don't know 2016 if you would feel that that idea to me i would would maybe have been inclined to like rethink training i'd be like oh shit you know Mm. like that makes so much sense like fuck, I need to rethink my own training and then maybe rethink my lifters training. Am I doing them a disservice by not employing this practice based on the very logical thing he said? Whereas now it's like, you know, you've been around the block enough where you, you know, that's a cool idea, right? And it's a cool tool. And if someone presented me like exactly your scenario and was like, this sounds cool to me, I'd be like, yeah, it does. It's cool. Let's, let's go for it. You know, I think it's just a, a part of, like I say, going around the block. Yeah. Like I think with, from the coaching side of it, it's, it's very easy just to say like, yeah, like what's the harm in trying it? You know, yeah. Because there is, there's no major downside. Like it's the worst case scenario that they do run into, like you know, example B, say like that I said, where they kind of get burned out from not getting time away from training, and then you just stop doing it. Do you know what I mean? That's that's the biggest change. You know, like that's the biggest mm. like oh shit didn't work. You know, like so you're at a net zero rather than uh like rather than any anything majorly negative happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like as you said, like. Because, yeah, like, just hearing something like that and then completely changing, like, how they structure training or, like, their worldview of training changes because of something so small and silly is, like, yeah. it It's almost like when you, like, because, like, when you're years at it, you know, you can kind of, you can kind of, you can kind of see those things where it's how when you're new to the sport, there's so much gaps and like vacancies that can be kind of filled up, you know, the gaps in your knowledge that can be filled up with bullshit so easily, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas how like, when you've been around for whatever, seven, eight, ten years, whatever, um, it, it more adds on than fills in like essential parts of your understanding of training, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like it's like, you know, we, we can all see it for what it is that it's just like, oh, it's just another thing to try, do you know what I mean? It's a, 
it's uh, just just an idea whereas how like it like the the amount of times i've seen like newer coaches or whatever go to like i remember in like ireland like seminars used to be a big thing for a while mm-hmm. and like how someone's like training philosophy would completely change or like even a lifter would come back from a seminar and want to completely cha- change their like training philosophy or like not not even their training philosophy but get their coach to train in a different completely different training philosophy it's fucking wild like <laughs> it's like when like movement prep became like yeah, you know, there's like a couple of these like <laughs> funny trends that occur. It's usually around dealing with like pain and injury, but movement prep was like the most egregious one where it was like literally overnight almost. I think there were, I forget what it was or what caused it, but like if you weren't doing movement prep, you were, you know, a fucking useless coach, whatever. Yeah. Like most of it was just moving your body randomly before you actually go and yeah. do your actual training. Like Yeah. No, like absolutely, yeah. Movement prep was the buzzword for a little bit there. Um hilariously pivots was the buzzword for a little bit as well like obviously mm. i understand what a pivot is i've also done the classrooms all that shit but uh <laughs> people were just like after every block they're like let's fucking pivot yeah, and then yeah, they just yeah. go mad for a while and then it's like <laughs> done pivoting <laughs> do you know like yeah. it, there was no understanding to it as well like there was no like because i know in uh like in mike t stuff he is like however long the block was or however long away from whatever the block was then like that kind of dictates how long a pivot theoretically should be but like people were just doing mad shit like they were just they were just wild deloads do you know what i mean yeah, they were like yeah. it was such a fun time i actually heavily resisted the word pivot like when i started kind of taking on that philosophy and instead used the word washout because i hated that trend <laughs> yeah 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 i think that's smart i think that's smart you don't want to be attached to it no 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 Def- Connor, is there I, anything I've else been... you want to go ahead sorry uh, there's a bunch of st- like i there's a bunch of stuff even just there about about fads in powerlifting and i've had somebody i think falsely compliment me on my ability to resist fads which i i don't think is is accurate but i think they play a bit of a a bit of a role in the like zeitgeist of of powerlifting or in physical training like if you kind of take it for what it is like a new flavor the kind of hot topic or the new thing cool yeah give it a shot like fatigue singles seems to be and it's like golden age of fads at the moment and it's i feel like if you take it for what it is it's a new thing to try give it a bash grand but if you if, if like you said it seems like a real immature thing to say fatigue singles it's the fucking way to go if you're not doing it you're doing your clients and yourself a disservice it's kind of funny do you know so I, I could see them being beneficial from that point of view aside from the obvious ones where you're talking about anything really i'd say to do with pain and injury risk management because you're talking about instilling very damaging false narratives about how the body works and how you can manage your pain and injury risk management i just think it's a funny it's a funny thing do you know i suppose like my clients have commented to me that whenever i see something or i get a bit of a flavor or something that's in my program it might be in theirs or vice versa Mm. i don't think there's anything wrong with that because you're just fucking like you said it's net neutral at best and you're training do you know you're you're actually putting the work in and ideally the reps will count over time i suppose it's the narrative that you attach to that intervention and, and why it works or any kind of false confidence makes makes a bit of a difference i suppose it's a bit of honesty because you want to be not you want to be i i'd say some people want to be the guy with the answer with the fix that here look i'm the first guy in irish powerlifting to do fucking fatigue singles or whatever it is and you want to be be that guy but it's totally false. Do you know what I mean? But it, it's, I don't know. I think it's funny to, to remark on. I, I don't know if you were going to ask me, is there any other kind of questions 
I want to post, Jack. There's a few, just even out of my own curiosity, because like as a coach, Jack, first, I was going to say as a coach and as a lifter, what do you want to do in 2024? I haven't been great at like setting goals or any shit like that. Another kind of, it's not a fad, obviously, but it seems to be something that's really kind of pulled back is the importance of setting like smart or smarter goals. I'm just curious, as a coach first and then as a lifter, do you have any goals for 2024? Is there anything you want to do or anything you want to see? Um, Yeah, a few. Like, so domestically, uh, I want to get all my lifters to like the highest level comp I can get them to. So whether mm-hmm. that's a case of getting you know lifters to nationals or getting them to internationals or whatever that and then you know because i definitely view like the coaching side of it it's not my goals it's just getting them to their goals and like i'm 100 percent secondary to that like they employ me that's kind of how i view it throughout through and through um so just basically do right by them and i'm happy with that because like anything else beyond that like you know it's completely out of, out of your control as a coach you know you don't mm. You don't get to, oh, the lifter isn't uh, pulling their weight. Better put on the singlet myself. Do you know what I mean? It's out of your control, you know? Um, that should be like a, a series of competitions where you get to go so funny. take one attempt off them or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Don, you're preggers. Get out of the way. Yeah. Um, uh, so, apart from that, uh, my own lifting, um, I'm going to compete in March. Uh like it's not a goal but like, i'd like to hit 800 at that um if i don't oh, weight class can i just quickly interject what because uh, you were kind of i'm signed up yeah i'm signed up at 120 even though i'm <laughs> below 105 right now um <laughs> but i just thought like at that may comp uh where i did and i think i weighed 111 but i was like 109 that morning like that was the most seamless comp i've ever had you know it was unbelievable like there's nothing like it was so consistent because like my calories are high, my protein was high, everything was kind of relatively high. So I was recovering great between every session. I didn't have those like the only way like two weeks out or one week out or something. You kind of have this aberrant session where it just goes kind of shit. Mm. That just didn't happen. Didn't get any niggles. Didn't get any like problems. Just kind of nice. just seamlessly clear sailing. Like rolled it. Oh, it was unbelievable. It was such a great experience. So like right now, uh, with like you know, all the national team coaching shit, like realistically, even if I got invited to Westerns or got invited to any comp by hitting a standard, I wouldn't go anyway because I'd be coaching at it instead. Uh, so I'm just going to take the next uh, year, two, three, whatever, however long I'm doing that, um, and just start building into the 120s so that when I uh, inevitably do relinquish, uh, relinquish it and I'm no longer, you know, or I'm doing it in a lower capacity, then I can compete as well as a 120. Uh, or at least that's my thought right now. Um, so compete in March. I'll probably grab another one at the end of the year, maybe um, nationals potentially. Um, but I'm getting married like the month before. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I might just do it just to do some token lifts. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. Which, you know, maybe there'll be heavy lifts at the time. Good token lifts. Um, yeah, yeah, it'd be great token lifts. Uh, but yeah, there is there is a certain amount to me that just kind of wants to do that just for the fun of it, like because uh, I never really, you know, go into a comp with that kind of mentality that I'm just like kind of doing a kind of SPD day, you know. Even if it's a case of like having a three week prep, I think that would be a fun experience to have and like you know having no expectations going in, just taking what's there. Totally. Um, 
and then internationally coaching just get it back to where it was i guess you know as far as like being able to field full teams having like um having like proper representation uh of the irish team at uh internationals like because i think that would be absolutely sick because in both cases um both me and adam at malta were like we were like malta is so cool but geez we wish we had like 10 lifters you know like someone every day at least because um now that this split up the juniors and the open it's very like eye-opening when there's only like four open lifters or like two open lifters it just it leads to such a weird week uh like you don't really feel that connected to the competition that much you kind of you kind of feel like a fan you're brought over as a spectator rather than uh being in the trenches every day um whereas how westerns i have no fear that we'll get a full team for that because we always kind of do but that's always just kind of a one day or two day or you know uh but i'm looking forward to that as well i can't wait for i can't wait for all three of them really like because croatia i've never been there lithuania i've been there once and it was extremely nice um and where is westerns has is westerns a, even been announced no i don't a, think a, it's been lucky announced. dip at the moment oh yeah. tbc gym um, yeah. <laughs> maybe it might be on city gym so uh, we'll see. <laughs> awesome 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 well jack if anyone does want to reach out what's the story with your co- are you taking clients and all that kind of good stuff at the moment um some if if yeah like i don't take on people if it's just like you know random inquiry sometimes like if it's the right fit if like you know we can always uh worst comes to worst so i can always do a call with someone explain what's on offer more or less Yep. And then if we're the right fit for one another, that totally makes sense. But like working with being assigned to c- can complete randoms, I don't do do that anymore. Because yep. um, the people I kind of want to work with are like, you know, I just want to work with people who are like internally, like uh, intrinsically motivated. They, they have their own goals and I'm just there to assist with that. I don't really want to push people over the line. Do you know what I mean? Love it. Love I want it. to assist them to get there. Love it. And if anyone who thinks they fit that bill wants to find you, where where would they do that? Uh, on my Instagram, so uh, Jack PJ Thornton. Beautiful, awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming on again, Jack. Really appreciate it. Of course, thanks for having me, guys.